Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung. I'm so grateful that you could stop for a moment and join with us as we take a look at the book. What we're going to be focusing on today is The Passion and Prophecy. Now, The Passion, of course, is the death, burial, and then the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Passion Week itself, starting with Jesus and his disciples coming into Jerusalem before he would be crucified about a week later, he arrived there on the Sabbath, or at least before the Sabbath on Friday, and then many events unfold. You need to understand what happened that week because it plays a key role in understanding Bible prophecy. From my five-hour audio series, The Passion and Prophecy, we're going to be looking and focusing on the Song of Songs. You might refer to that book in the Bible as the Song of Solomon. Solomon did write the book, and it is the Holy of Holies as far as the Jewish people are concerned. I'll tell you more about that in just a moment. Uh, If you would like to study with us, we'll do that, and then I'll tell you how you can get your own copy of The Passion and Prophecy. But right now, let's listen to the study, The Song of Songs. Let's think about allegorically how this could be interpreted. Go back over to Song of Songs, chapter 1, and think about allegory. You know what an allegory is? It comes from the, from the Alexandrian theological school, basically from the 3rd and 4th century. It's talking about a non-literal interpretation. Not taking Scripture word for word. It's basically giving man's meanings to the Scriptures instead of God's purpose within the Scriptures. It's a non-literal approach. It's very subjective instead of objective. Subject to how I feel or what I think or what my philosophy is. That's how I interpret it if I don't have a base upon which to be solid on, it, in my opinion, an allegorical uh, allegorical approach to interpreting any book of the Bible is very, very dangerous. Now, so there's the problems with an allegory. But prophetically, it's interesting. If you will allow, for example, the Christian sanctified speculation to come forth, you might say that indeed... As Schofield says, and other writers say, what Song of Songs is talking about is Christ and the church. And start looking at the relationship. Now, listen, let me remind you of something. All of Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, right? For correction, for instruction in righteousness, for everything. But, let me remind you, all Scripture has a technical interpretation and a spiritual application. Technically interpreted, Song of Songs is God's endorsement of his design for marriage, taken literally. If you approach it allegorically, I would be very, very careful. That's not what it's talking about. But I'd be very, very careful. But there could be possibly a spiritual application of the relationship between Christ and the church. Christ the husband, the church the bride. So there could be that. And the presentation as you study through it and start to see that, knowing, just do that for enjoyment, knowing what the literal interpretation is. 
the Jews have an intimate relationship with the book. You know what book is read at Passover every year? Song of Songs. It's the book at the most important, I believe the most important of the feast. It starts the cycle. It was Christ at Passover giving himself in the passion to guarantee us eternal life. And so at Passover, they take Song of Songs and read it. One scholarly rabbi that I talked to when I was studying before I came back, studying Song of Songs, I asked him about it. Do you read it at Passover? Yes, sir. But that's not the only time. I read it at the beginning of every Shabbat, every Sabbath. Every Friday night before he goes for his nightly prayers at the Western Wall, he reads through the Song of Songs. I called up another rabbi, Rabbi Nachman Kahana. You know who Rabbi Nachman Kahana is? He's the guru, the godfather for the preparations to build the third temple. I do believe that Nachman Kahana would be elected as the high priest if the temple was standing in Jerusalem right now. I called him and said, Rabbi, he's a dear friend. I said, Rabbi Jimmy. In fact, he has introduced me to other people or himself as my rabbi. Because when I get a problem, I want to ask a rabbi, call him. And I called him from the United States back in Israel. I said, Rabbi, tell me about Song of Songs. You know what he said to me? Jimmy, I'll talk to you about almost anything, but I can't talk to you about Song of Songs. He said, it's a family heirloom that we've passed down. I love it. And it's so sacred. You're not a Jew. I can't talk to you about it. You know who Rabbi Akiva was? Rabbi Akiva was one of the most famous of all the rabbis that have ever lived upon the face of the earth. He was the major rabbi in the second revolt, Bar Kokhba, 132, I think it is the date. You know, 70 AD, the Romans destroyed Jerusalem and the temple. Then they had, that was the first revolt, the second revolt, 132. Bar Kokhba comes out of Egypt, comes to Israel, tries to turn the Jews and overrule the Romans again. The rabbi that drove all of that revolt was Rabbi Akiva, honored by all Jews. You know what he said? Let me read you the quote of Rabbi Akiva. For all the world is not worthy as the day on which the song of songs was given to Israel. For all the writings are holy, but the song of songs is the holy of holies. In their opinion, you walk into the presence of God when you read the Song of Songs. Why did I tell you that? I wanted you to see their intimate relationship with it. How do they interpret it? Allegorically. Trying to put deeper meaning into it. Remember I said the lover was the male speaker literally trans uh, interpreted and the beloved was the female. In Jewish allegorical interpretation the beloved is the Messiah 
and the female is Israel. Do you ever wonder why Jews go to the Western Wall three times a day to pray? May I tell you? What an exciting study that was, and I hope and pray that it will assist you in understanding what God's Word is actually telling us about the end times as it relates to that Passion Week, the week that led up to the death, the burial, and then the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It has great significance prophetically. By the way, you can get your own copy of The Passion and Prophecy. It's a five-hour audio series on CD that is available. You can call our toll-free number. It's 877-674-3298. That's 877-674-3298. It's a toll-free number from across America. Or remember, you can always go to our website, prophecytoday.com, and go to the shopping mall and make your order of our series, the five-hour audio series entitled The Passion and Prophecy. I'm Jimmy DeYoung, and let me thank you one more time for joining us as we take a look at the book. You know, as we continue to study through God's prophetic passages, we become more and more aware every single day that the rapture of the church could happen that day. When Jesus will shout, the archangel will shout, the trump of God will sound, and we'll be caught up to be with him forevermore. What a glorious day that is going to be. And by the way, having said that, there's nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up until...